Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Can you give the worship team and the musicians a hand? That was good. Boy, I just wouldn't be church without singing and worship and musicians. Think about it. Come to church and not have that. Oh, that's why it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Uh, we came into prayer today and we found out the password to the kingdom is thanksgiving. Just thank you. It's the password. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Well, I'm glad you made it today. Hottest day of the year right now, I think. But it's cool in here, man. It's cool in the kingdom. That sounds like a, a song. It's cool in the kingdom. Yeah, we could sing that. Well, I want, before I get, jump in, I have a good word for you today. It's, I think it's really good. Of course, I think every message is really good. Didn't Tracy do a good job last week? I mean, that was just, what a great word. And uh, we're, we've been talking about shame and getting out of that and all the things the enemy has assigned to us. God is overcoming. And we thank him for it. Amen. I want to I take opportunity here. Uh, Malachi, are you here? Malachi. Stand to your feet, if you would, please. Are there any other... Malachi's leaving uh, to go to college. He's playing football down in Southern California. And he's been in the house since he was born. I dedicated him with his little baby. And he served God with all of his heart. And I'm so proud of you, Malachi. Praying that God will bless you in every endeavor that you put your hand to. And we're just going to release you to, to do the will of God. Is there anybody else here going off to college? You're, you're going someplace for college. Would you stand, please? Go ahead. There we go. We got, yeah, there we go. Oh boy, they're popping up all over the place. Okay, I'm going to pray for Malachi. Then I'm going to pray for all of you. I'm going to believe that the hand of the Lord is going to be upon you for good. And that you are a vine over the wall from this house. No evil should come nigh your dwelling. And God will be with you. All right? So join with me, church. Stretch your hand towards one of these. Father, we in Jesus' name... We thank you for Malachi and all that he represents in this house. Thank you for his faithfulness to you. Thank you that he was born in the house of God and he continues to, to uh, establish your kingdom through his life. We pray, Lord, as he, as he leaves, your hand will be upon him and you would stir his life as, as he just represents you. I pray he would stand tall for you and no evil come, will come nigh his dwelling and the power of the Holy Spirit will be upon him. I pray for everyone standing now. The the power of God will be upon them as they go, Lord, to serve you in other arenas, other uh, fields.
fields of, of work, ministry, and school. We pray that you would stir their hearts, that you'd make them ready. Lord, that they would say, I am here as your servant, Lord, and they would not fail to identify with the kingdom of God. We release anointing and blessing upon them now. May your, may your spirit stir them, bless them, help them, and aid them. You are the paraclete who comes along beside, and we pray, Lord, you, the Holy Spirit, will strengthen them in everything they do. We release all of them now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, Malachi, all of you. And Lord, bless the word. Okay, here we go. I got 150 pages. No, it's not quite that long. This is a good word. Stay with me. I'm going someplace with it. I'm taking you through scripture. I'm going to uh, uh, emphasize the point. I'm not going to tell you the title of the message until we just get into it. As we've been noting, evil has come against God's creation. There is a full onslaught move of the enemy to destroy the seed of God. It has never been so obvious and has never been so in your face. Satan knows he has but a short time. Daniel says that. And when that happens, he will, he will go at all lengths to destroy the seed of God. But we are God's kids. We have dignity and value because we are God's children. Satan, who is called Abaddon and Apollyon, is the destroyer, comes to ruin us, to graffiti us, to shame us, to mark us as no good. So he can show God, because what he wants to do is show God that his creation didn't turn out like he said it would. He wants to show God that we are worthless. Now you have to understand the, the terminology worthless, what it really means. This, the word worthless comes from the idea of a, of a coin. When rubbed on enough, loses its value. As gold and silver, you would use it so much that the gold would rub off and the silver would rub off, and they call that worth less. Satan comes along to wear you out, rub you down, to declare that you are worthless. Not worthy to be an image bearer. And have you ever noticed on each coin is an image. Satan wants to rub out the image of God on your life just like on a coin. Because the, you as an image bearer, you have been imprinted by God on your life. Each one of us are image bearers of God. And once again, Satan wants to call us worthless. But Jesus is the prosecutor, or excuse me, Satan is the prosecutor. He brings you before the judge to declare that you are no good and you are worthless. But along comes Jesus, your defender, and he says, no, none of them are worthless because they're worth more because of my redemptive power. For you have been shaped and formed to serve God. Job 10.8 says, your hands shaped me and made me. 
Isaiah 43, 21 says, the people I have shaped for myself will broadcast my praises. God formed every creature on this planet. I don't care what form it is, he, he made it. And he did it with a special area of expertise. For instance, some animals run, some hop, some swim, some burrow, some fly. Each has a particular role to play based on the way they were shaped by God. Is that not true? The same is true with humans. Each of us was uniquely designed or shaped to do certain things. And before architects design any new building, the first thing they ask is this, what will be its purpose? How will it be used? The intended function always determines the form of the building. Before God created you, he decided what role he wanted you to play on earth. And so he planned exactly how he wanted you to serve him, and then he formed you for those tasks. You are the way you are because you were made for a specific ministry and service. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. I mentioned this several weeks ago. The word workmanship is the English word poem. You are God's poem. His poetry. You are God's story. You are God's handcrafted work of art. You were not an assembly line product. I look across this room and there's not, there's not two of one of you. You are not an assembly line. It just doesn't work that way. You are an original masterpiece. And you are custom designed, one, one of a kind. God deliberately shaped and formed you to serve him in a way that makes you unique and your ministry unique. And think of it this way. He, he carefully mixed the DNA cocktail that created you. David said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully a complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. Not only did God shape you before you were born, but he planned every day of your life to support his shaping process. I'm I'm telling I'm just going through scripture. Like Mark said, I know I didn't say this. God said this. Psalm 139, 16, every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Wow. That's right. God's creation. Nothing that happens in your life is insignificant. God uses all of it to mold you for for your ministry to others and for you for your your service to him. God never wastes anything. Even your mistakes. He would not give you abilities, interests, talents, gifts, personality, and life experiences unless he intended to use them for his glory. You are wonderfully complex. Say I'm complex. I'm complex. Ah, but you're beautiful. You're beautiful to God. Now, with that as our platform and our foundation, I want you to follow this line of thinking. In Bible college, when we were studying this scripture, it was, it was hard for me to understand it. Until years later, when I read this scripture again, I began to think of it in a different way. Revelation 19.10. And this is my thesis scripture. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now I'm going to turn this upside down on you as I extract some thoughts of this. 
I pondered this verse for years. I, I, I heard a story, this is very interesting. A man walked into a pastor's office to share a testimony of how God had powerfully restored his marriage. How powerfully he did a miracle in his life. He finished the story, then he said to the pastor, and pastor, you have my permission to tell this testimony to anyone you know who needs to hear it. And so, testimony, now think about this, because this is in the scripture, testimony and prophecy have always been important elements of the Christian life in our Christian life. In fact, when I was a kid, on Wednesday nights we had testimony night. We, we, uh, we would call them popcorn testimonies. People pop up and give their testimony. And that's kind of what we're saying, but not quite. And then, so we believe in testimony, right? Yeah. We also believe in prophecy. Yes. Prophecy is foretelling and forthtelling. So it's telling the future by God's understanding, but it also is proclaiming what God is saying. Everyone can prophesy. When you speak the word of God, you're prophesying. Yep. Now, could it be that this man was telling the pastor that he could use his testimony to prophesy over people? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Could it be? Let's think about that for a minute. Prophecy either foretells the future or causes a change in the present. A testimony that become, then becomes Catalytic in its ability to bring about a change of atmosphere in the present. This man had two assumptions. If God had done this great thing for him, he would surely do it for others. His second assumption was declaring the testimony was the vehicle by which this promise would be transmitted to others who were in need. The first assumption is indeed supported by scripture. Because God is the same yesterday, today and forever. So if God did it yesterday, he can do it today and he can do it tomorrow, right? It's supported by scripture. So he's, he's saying this in the means of secondly, a practical application of the truth that the testimony of Jesus then is the spirit of prophecy. Testimonies, now stay with me, testimonies prophesy God's intent and nature to all who will hear. I know a pastor who told a story of a little boy who was three years of old, oh, three years of age, who got healed in a meeting yeah. from Club Feet. It happened to be videoed. A couple of people who had seen this happen on video went to the mall for the purpose of praying for people. They saw an older woman walking with a leg brace and a cane and went over her, went over to her to pray for her. At first, she didn't want to be prayed for. But they told her that they had just seen a boy dramatically healed of club feet and wanted to pray so she'd be healed. She finally agreed, and tumors started disappearing from her knee and her back. The pastor then shared these two stories in a meeting later as an illustration of the prophetic power of a testimony. A mother in that service that he was speaking on that about believe that very thing and sure enough her two-year-old daughter was healed of a severely turned in leg. This pastor then shared those three stories at another church and a person watching online believed that her daughter was healed in her feet of severe deformities. It's called the power of a testimony. Yeah. Amen. 
Each of these people experienced the prophetic power of the testimony. When they heard the testimony of what God had done, the anointing on the testimony opened a realm of possibility. The atmosphere then became pregnant with the opportunity for the miracle that had been described in the testimony to be duplicated. And when they engaged their faith and stepped into that opportunity in the slightest measure, that possibility became a reality. Miracles can happen through the declaration of a testimony. God also speaks through the spoken or written testimony of anything that God has done. If you, if you take scripture and declare it out, there's power in that. I had a woman after first service said, Pastor Ken, you spoke about this last year. I started putting it in action. You said, declare a matter, write it out and say it. She did it. She wrote it out and started saying it. Guess what? It happened. All those things that she declared began to happen because she put it in the atmosphere and it became pregnant with the power of God that began to be released within that testimony. You see, God's acts reveal his ways and his ways reveal his nature. All of this is dependent largely on one thing, remembering. Our capacity to remember what God has said and done in our lives and throughout history is the testimony. And it's one of the primary things that determine our success or failure in sustaining a kingdom lifestyle of power for miracles. Now let me say this. I am convinced that the church has left the riches of heaven sitting in the bank. Thinking that we only get them when we die and go to heaven. The belief that heaven is entirely a future reality has reduced far too many of us and of God's declarations to positional truths that are acknowledged but never experienced. So we believe it positionally, but we don't believe it experientially. But we are an experiential people. Yes, we believe in the position. Romans 8, 14. (coughs) For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of a bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Think of this. This is mind-boggling. Heirs of God? Man, you, got, you should have been jumping to your feet on that one. We are heirs of the Most High God. Join heirs. That means everything that was, was made and said for Jesus is made and said for us. Amen. So this, this scripture I just read prophesies our, our potential. But to all, John 1, 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Wow. Ephesians 2.10 again. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should work, walk in them. You see, works cannot save us. But without the fruit of good works in our lives, we lack the evidence that identifies us as new creations in Jesus Christ. Boy, that was good. 
see, good works describe the miracles, the signs, and the wonders that he performed. Those who are in relationship with Jesus and believe in him will demonstrate the same signs and wonders. Mark 9, 23, my favorite scripture, all things are possible to him who believes. Our faith gives us access to all the resources of heaven. And we as sons and daughters of God are destined to reveal our Father to the world by bearing his likeness because we're, bear, we're made in his, in his image and likeness and by bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth through demonstrations of power and authority, all in the context of showing the love of God. For the anointing to heal and bring deliverance will be of no value in heaven. You don't need healing in heaven. You don't need miracles in heaven. We need them now. Wow. And testimonies are the things that train you and me to walk in a relationship with the Father and fulfill our purpose as his sons and daughters. Psalm 119 and 111. This is a great scripture. In fact, just go home and read Psalm 119 tonight. That, that's just the longest chapter in the Bible, but it's awesome. Psalm 119, 111 says, I have inherited your testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. In other words, the testimonies of the Lord are our inheritance. It's our inheritance. Because we are the heirs of God. So what is a testimony? Well, a testimony is the written or spoken record of anything God has done in history. He's done it in you, he's done it in others, and we report them. Everything that God has said and done in history is your eternal possession. Come on. Whoa, did you hear that? It's your eternal possession. And that record holds all the resources you need to be transformed into the image of Christ and then become a transformer. A testimony is about what God has done. And most of the time we think of a testimony as what we have done or experienced. But actually, our stories are testimonies because they tell of what God has done. History, his story. That's why I love history so much. It's his story. It's his. We don't have a testimony unless we've experienced a divine invasion of God in our lives. The testimonies of God are an invaluable inheritance because in each story of what God has done, there is a revelation of his nature. And a revelation of God through a testimony is always an invitation to know God experientially in that revelation. There's so many things. If, if you were writing right now, your hands are cramped. And they're going to get only more cramped because I'm going to get deeper here in just a minute. Such encounters transform us and transform people, transform people. Experiencing God through what he has done in the past correctly positions us to experience God and what he's doing in the present. The study of the testimony is a study of history because the testimony is the record of what God has done in the past. In order to understand the power of the testimony, we need to know what history contains. Boy, that's why I love history. And like a testimony, history is most truly about God, the author of your story and of my story. History itself is a testimony, composed of the collective testimonies of God throughout history. 
and the family of God inherits his testimonies just as members of a royal family inherit their family history. Royals study and rehearse the record of their ancestors because it is their connection to that past that gives them their identity and purpose for their lifetime. It lays on them a responsibility of doing something significant during their reign in order to pass the legacy on to the next generation. If one generation fails to live in such a way that honors the family history, the royal history, or fails to pass that history on to the next generation, that line is broken and the inheritance is lost. That's why we put so much emphasis on children's ministry, on youth ministry, on young adults. We've got to pass it to the next generation. We have to. We have to tell them stories. This is what God did. In, at junior high camp, one, we had uh, my two grandsons were there. And I, w- I went up to him afterwards. I, I said, did God do anything? He says, Papa, I felt God tonight. I started crying because I felt God. Well, that, wow. That's worth all of life. Because what's happening, they're, they're starting to experience the testimony, the royal history of God's intent, putting it in a families and a community of believers. This house is a house of miracles. This house is here because we have experienced miracle after miracle after miracle all through the existence of this church. That's why, do you wonder why I tell stories all the time? Because I want you to know the stories and the testimonies of God's goodness through the past. If you understand them in their life, you will tell them over and over again. You need to understand that this church, we were actually given a building. We then gave the building away. Then we're given more. And on and on the story goes. You need to know the stories of the house. You need to know the stories of your house. I'm sorry. I get into this. You see, we have been adopted into the family of God, and so our history has changed. We were on a trajectory to hell. But after we said yes to Jesus, oh my word, our entire past, present, and future, God God started writing a new history into us. I believe the church has failed to use her inheritance or her testimony. Now think about testimonies, inheritance, to release his power into the earth. I don't think we've done it. When there's a failure to keep the testimony, the revelation of the nature and will of God cannot be sustained from generation to generation. If you read the Old Testament, you will find the greatest fault in Israel was they could never pass the, the, what God gave to a first generation to the second generation. Never happened. Therefore, they never experienced what God wanted them to experience. And so we, we, we have to understand that. And there is a, revivals have, have come along periodically, like with Josiah. You know what happened to Josiah? Eight years old, he becomes king. He lives, he, you know, he just kind of serves God and being king until he's 22 years of age. Then according to 2 Kings, I think it's about 21, 22, he's uh, one night, uh, he was restoring the temple. He was remodeling the temple. And they found a book in the wall, a book of the law, it said. And Shaphath, his, his attendant, his assistant, came, came to him. I'm telling a story. This is Bible. Came to him one night. He says, uh, 
because he, he wanted something to eat and he wanted him to read, read him a good night story book or something. So he comes to him and he reads the, the, the Bible. After er, this book of the law, after he hears it, he shouts and tears his clothes and he's just undone. Now what in the world could cause a man to hear a story and tear his clothes and fall down on his feet? What in the world? Well, I'll tell you what it was. He had just, his assistant had just read out of 1 Kings chapter 13. In 1 Kings chapter 13, there's a story written 350 years before Josiah is king. And in the story, it says, Josiah will come to the throne and will disrobe and disarm all idolatry. And he lists everything that would happen during Josiah's days in office. He hears his name. He begins, oh my word! What if you found a book written 350 years ago and your name is delineated in there and it tells what you will do for God? Whoa, what a testimony. Now that's a testimony of Jesus. Changed everything. Revival came to, to Judah. The day of Pentecost was not just about 3,000 converts. You know what it was? It was about Peter's preaching. It was about Peter's preaching. In Acts chapter 2, what happened? He began to preach. He began to declare Joel chapter 2. He was just repeating the stories of God. It was just the testimonies of Jesus. And, and people were convicted because there had been a shift in the spiritual atmosphere, but because in saying the testimony through his sermon and his message, the atmosphere became pregnant with the miracle possibilities and the Holy Spirit came down and imparted himself in that atmosphere. When believers allow the Holy Spirit to have his way, the atmosphere is transformed, making it easier for people to come to God. At Pentecost, the God of the age was bound and the light of Christ pierced through the spiritual darkness over Jerusalem. I'm telling you, prophecy is where it's at. Now, prophecy, not just foretelling. We put most prophecy in foretelling. Prophecy mostly, most prophecy is foretelling. It's foretelling. It's speaking things out. It's declaring it. You can just take your story and you can start prophesying. You can tell, you can take your testimony of Jesus, either say it, you know, uh, 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 you know, supernaturally or say it, even write it out and say it. And it will, it will permeate the atmosphere with the power of God and with, with, uh, the wind of the Holy Spirit, because the wind of God that filled the upper room made a distinct sound as it blew. The sound drew people. It was a roar. It was a testimony of Jesus that came and the Holy Spirit then became bound with that. It was a roar, a sound from heaven that arrested the hearts of a people who had previously celebrated Jesus' death. Now the sound from heaven released the atmosphere of heaven until the prevailing powers of darkness gave way to the superiority of light and God's kingdom. We need to have more testimonies of Jesus proclaiming God in the atmosphere. You have them written over all your life. They're all over this book. This is the book of the testimony of Jesus. I'm sorry. This should be the normal Christian life. Anything less is going backward. And this spiritual shift is what will happen in true revivals. This is what's going to bring revival. And revival is meant to be sustained throughout all generations. God intends the scriptures. Now watch, I'm I'm still going deeper, okay? 
You got you to keep this up and listen to me. Are you all with me? Yes. So God intends the scriptures to work in tandem with his works in revealing who he is. God's word and his works cannot be separated. Everything in existence came to be because he spoke it into being. And one of the primary reasons he is called holy is that his words have such perfect integrity and unity with his person that they release the force and reality of his being to accomplish the things he has said. Amen. Wow, that was a good, that was a great sentence. God's primary purpose in delivering, this is good, God's primary purpose in delivering the scriptures to us is to train us to anticipate and recognize him when he reveals himself through his divine acts. The primary purpose of the abiding word is to prepare and position us for divine encounters that we may then respond with faith. Faith is the primary evidence of the word abiding in us. If we have unbelief in our hearts, we will fail to hear the voice of the Father giving testimony to who he is in, its, in, its, in the scriptures. And unbelief literally blinds and deafens our hearts to his voice, thereby blocking the most powerful thing in the universe from being active in and through us. And without faith, that gives us an understanding of how God's testimony works. We will miss him when he shows up right in front of us. You see, God reveals himself to mankind and we either respond with faith or with unbelief. Creating conditions that affect the way God relates to us. You see, God's not, we're always waiting for God. He's actually waiting for us. He's actually waiting for us to respond. He's actually waiting for us to give the testimony of Jesus. He's actually waiting for us to impregnate the atmosphere. You will see, you will, you will start seeing miracles if you do this. I'm telling you. This is, this is what God, this is, this is what uh, Mark said is, is, is like the law of gravity. It, it works. And, and so we, we need to understand that. God reveals himself to mankind and we must respond to it. The word testimony, this is interesting. The word testimony first appears in Exodus 16.34 called the testimony. Then in in Exodus chapter 25, verse 16, it appears in the phrase, the ark of the testimony. Now stay with me, I'm digging. Okay, I'm digging here. The ark was the first item that God detailed to Moses in his blueprints for the tabernacle. It was the central piece of furniture. It was the holiest item in the tabernacle because it was where the cloud of God's presence specifically rested. Read the Old Testament. His glory settled on the Ark of the Covenant. At, at, during the day, it was a cloud. During the night, it was a fire. It was on the Ark of the Covenant. You have to understand that. It was called the Ark of the Testimony because the testimony of God lived inside of the box upon which God sat. What, were, what was in the box? Three things. The Ten Commandments, Aaron's budding rod, and manna. They were all testimonies of God's mercy and power. God's people were not to be known. Now this is good. Stay with me. God's, God's people were not to be known just for the perfect law code that they possess, but by the fact that God himself was present among them. It wasn't by their behavior, it was by the presence. 
yes, we believe in right behavior. God spent more time telling them how to build his house than he did telling them how he expected them to behave. Think on that for a few minutes. Everything that was done in this house was focused on stewarding that relationship through approaching God in prayer and worship. More than his house or his laws, it was his presence that gave them their identity, their purpose, and their self-definition. The testimony was not merely words on a page or stone tablet or a collection of holy relics. The words were, were written that were written were only significant because of the one who said them and whose presence was before them. Each element of the testimony kept in the ark was a physical reality that embodied a revelation God had given to his people through, through that specific miraculous act. For instance, the stone tablets, Ten Commandments, marvelous act. God wrote them on stones. Um, that's kind of miraculous. He ex- what, what did he do through this? He expressed his encounter with them on Mount Sinai and he related them in covenant. This was covenant. The jar of manna, it, it, it embodied the revelation of a supernatural provision for them. Jehovah Jireh, rod of Aaron. This revelation of God's mark of delegated authority among the people was what he wanted them to understand. Over these items, now watch this, over these items was a mercy seat, a solid piece of gold with cherubim on, e- on either end. And let me say it this way. This, this was the place where God would abide. In other words, <laughs> his mercy rests upon his testimony. Did you hear that? His mercy rests upon his testimony. When you start speaking the testimony of Jesus, mercy begins to emanate. The grace of God begins to pour out because his mercy sits on the testimony. David was a man before his time. He took this Ark of the Covenant, the testimony of, of, of Jesus, the Ark that only the high priest was allowed to see once a year, he took it. And he took it from the Philistines and he took it in Jerusalem where he put uh, Levites to, to uh, worship God day and night for 24 hours a day. Technically, this would have been illegal. But David didn't die. What had happened? He had discovered a principle. He had discovered the mighty principle. He discovered the testimony of Jesus. David had learned something. Psalms 119.24 says, Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Psalm 119.99, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. He is saying wisdom, insight, and passion for God are gained through testimonies. And because of David's actions, we now know that he understood the testimonies better than anyone of his day. He was far before his day. Jesus comes along and embodies the realities which the Ark of of the Testimony pointed to. The box of acacia wood, that spoke of the redemption of Jesus. Offered to the world. Gold spoke of the glory of God that rested in and, and upon him. The cherubim spoke of the angelic presence that always surrounded him. The mercy seat spoke of the unhindered access and forgiveness. Christ was the living testimony of God to the world. Everything he was, said, and did revealed the nature of the covenant that God desired to have all along with his sons and daughters and was represented in the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony. Being in Christ means not only that we experience the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but that we are now carriers of the testimony. Our job 
Our job is to learn how to release the reality and power of the testimony in the same way Jesus did. The word testimony simply means to repeat or do it again. Do it again. You say the testimony, do it again. Do it again. This is saying and doing. The testimony is something to be repeated both in word and in deed. And when we declare the testimonies of the Lord, we're actually describing who he has promised to be in relationship with us. And we're putting, oh, listen to this carefully, we're putting a demand on heaven for that covenant to be renewed and demonstrated in our day. God wants us to put a demand on heaven. He commands us to repeat his testimonies because in doing so, we create an atmosphere and an opportunity for him to do again what he has done. This is done through the declaration of the testimony. And when we declare the testimonies of God to people, we're setting them up to meet God in the same way we are declaring. I'll just take this. Loudon, you have a testimony. You don't have to say anything. I'm saying it for you. A few weeks ago, he was in a terrible uh, truck accident. His, his mom over here, Shannon, uh, in, in, informed the prayer team. Prayer team began to pray. I mean, we began to pray. He is a walking miracle. He is a walking miracle. They, I'm not sure they expect him to live. The policeman thought he died. But we're here. Stand up just to show you can stand up, Loudon. He's standing up as a miracle of God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Loudon, you have a testimony. You better share it everywhere you go. Yes. Shannon? He said, um, he would have a right. We declare that is not true. He will not have a drop foot. It's, it went away. It went away. Yeah. See? It's not there. Oh. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm almost done. Deuteronomy 6.17 says, You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies, his statutes, in which he has commanded you. Keeping the commandments is to do, to actually to do what they say. Keeping the statutes is to keep the principles. Keep the testimonies. It means we are to tell the testimonies, the stories of God's supernatural interventions in history to our children and our grandchildren. We're to keep them in our daily conversations. We talk too much about the world system. We need to be talking about the testimonies of Jesus. And we're to build memorials to remind us of them. We're to continue to remember and declare them. We're to watch and preserve them. We're to keep them. The testimony of Jesus is the lens through which I should see life. And a supernatural history is easy for people to forget. It's easy. When miracles are absent, we're to, we're to find out why they are missing and pursue the one who is the supernatural giver. Let us remind ourselves of the supernatural in this church, in this family. Meg's sitting right back here, Meg Keenan, the daughter of Helen Shenoweth. Helen Shenoweth and Meg came into church downtown. Uh, they were not spirit-filled. They soon became spirit-filled. <laughs> they experienced the power of God. Uh, Helen ran for office and miraculously, against all odds, wins. That's a miracle. Yes. Then through her life and through her experiences in Congress, God began to do something in her and in this house. 
through the miracles of God, through the testimony of Jesus. We have the testimony of Jesus written throughout the, throughout the fabric of this house. And when you come into this house, you join the DNA of the miracles of God in the house. And you can declare it and you can say it. Not only what, you, what your testimony is, you come in and you add your testimony to all the other testimonies. And it's the supernatural power of God. The testimony of the Lord must be declared. As there's a clear connection between declaration and the release of power. Nothing happens in the kingdom unless first there is a declaration. This is true. Whether God speaks it directly or whether he puts his words in the mouths of his people. We're to hear what God is saying and declare it, which releases the reality of what was declared in the world around us. Numbers eleven twenty nine. Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit upon them. You can prophesy. Hallelujah. Isaiah 51, 16. I put my words in your mouth. I've covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth and say to Zion, you are my people. We're to plant the heavens on earth in a sense. Your kingdom, how do you do that? You say it by the declarations of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's talking about prophetic declarations, which is calling something into existence. Romans chapter four, we call those things that are not as though they are. I say that that scripture probably more than any other one. We call those things that are not as though they are. Because God's word actually caused things to happen the moment they left his mouth. John 6, 63, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. When he spoke, he released the spirit of God in the atmosphere in the superior realm, reality, the kingdom of God, which is in the spirit, began to transform the earthly reality. We also, by speaking with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, we release the Holy Spirit to plant the heavens on the earth. That's why I, I keep telling you, would you please open your mouth? Yeah. Come on, don't, don't be so quiet. You need to be unquiet at home. You need to be unquiet at school. You need to be unquiet. You need to, you need to start declaring God's word. Everything that God is doing. For a true prophetic word changes the atmosphere and acts as a catalyst that sets a chain of events in motion to bring the word to pass. Hear and declare what God is saying. This is what opens the heavens and attracts the angelic realm. I don't know if you know that. Angel's primary job, hear me out. Angel's primary job is to enforce and establish the word of God when it is declared. You guys are thinking, well, why why doesn't God do something miraculous in my house? Well, declare it. Declare it, it will happen. Angels are assigned to do that. That's what they do. So we start declaring it. And we declare, when we declare the works of God, we release a creative prophetic anointing that changes the atmosphere. For the declared testimony creates access for the very anointing that brought about the testimony in the first place, which was also released through a declaration to bring it about then. In other words, testimony, do it again. It's do it again. When we declare the testimony of the Lord, God releases his authority to enforce the word and duplicate the miracle. Tell your, tell your miracle. God wants it duplicated again and again and again. And it just doesn't mean through preaching. It means through conversations. It means through talking. It means when you get with people. 
Talk about the fact that you watch someone with no sight get sight. You watch someone get out of a wheelchair and walk. You watch this happen. You watch that happen. Tell it. Declare it. Say it. And God will begin to act upon it. The truth is that the anointing on the testimony has always been there. But our ignorance has kept us from receiving what we never perceived as available. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Without revelation of how God works, we can't reach out with faith and grab a hold of the heavenly potential that is in the atmosphere around us. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. That's a testimony of Jesus. And she reached out. She, she had faith. She reached out, touched. She's healed. That's a testimony. We need to be saying that. I think uh, you know, Tracy did a great job last week, and she mentioned that, that story. Now, if we say these stories, those of you who have an issue of blood, you start reaching out. They're because there is faith. There is this seed in the atmosphere. It's pregnant with the power to achieve that miracle again. Unless the testimony actually transformed the rest of our thinking behavior, we're not truly keeping it. We must develop a lifestyle of talking about God's wondrous works all the time. We must do that. For the works of the Lord have a life of their own that is unaffected by time. God isn't a person of time. The God who performed them 2,000 years ago exists today, and he's beyond time. And when we study what he has done, we cannot help but stumble upon the fact that these are the things he is doing and will do and wants to do. We must build a lifestyle of remembering. The Hebrew word for remember, you got to catch this. And I'm, I'm closing. The Hebrew word for remember, it is the root word for the word male. Not female, male. The man is the one who carries the seed of reproduction. And when you remember... God's supernatural interventions in impossible situations. You carry in your heart the seed of yet another miracle. And when we remember what God has done, it is though we take the seed of a particular miracle, deposit in a new environment, and another miracle takes place. So we are to make memorials of all of these. Uh, Joshua, I don't have time to read it. Joshua set up memorials. They were the piles of stones were memorials. They were signs. They were realities that point to greater realities. The memorials are things that are meant to remind you of other things. And these stones reminded the people of the testimony of how God held back the waters of the Jordan and brought his people in the land of promises. We should establish things that jog our memories. I don't know. I I started thinking about this. We should start putting pictures, statements all around the building, all around the walls, all around the hallways of of, of the power of God through this is what he's done. This is what he's done. This is the miracle of God. See, and I close. Memorials are a key element of keeping the testimony because they work to protect us from forgetting the things of God that God says are most important. Your testimony is a story about who God is and what God has done. And through them, God is going to do miracles. This house, thank you, Jesus. 
Now catch this. When you came in this house, you have a litany of miracles, of memorials that are your families. And when you came in, you added them to the house. This is the house of the presence of God and the miracles of God. We must declare them. We must decree them. We must speak them out all the time. I think this is the missing link for miracles to occur. And I just believe that if we will, if we will do this, God will set up memorials, set up remembering factors, and say, God, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. See, this is why I tell you so many stories. I want you to catch it. I want you to catch God's history, his story, so you can tell it. And you impregnate the atmosphere with the power of God. Would you put your hand on your heart? Uh, let's just pray right now. God would just interrupt our thinking and plant in our hearts his story. Father, I just pray right now that you begin to plant in our hearts all of those miracle stories. Lord, miracle after miracle. In every family in this house, we have a boatload of miracles. And I'm praying as we declare them, as we say them, as we converse about them, as we testify to them, as we prophesy over them, Lord, I pray that the miracles will begin again. Miracle after miracle. Lord, secure our heart. Let us not lose this message. Let it be planted deep within our hearts. Plant the heavens in our hearts. Sow the seed of miracles. And let the testimony of Jesus be broadcast to the whole world. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, this, this, not yet, not yet. I, I got him, I got him primed. This is a message that can't be just listened to. It has to be acted upon. You need to go home, you need to start writing down your miracles. If you can't think of any, go to scripture and just go line upon line of all Jesus' miracles. Go through the book, the, the gospels or whatever. Start saying this, this, the miracles. The, and, and, and then God will start reminding you. Oh, remember back then? He will start reminding you of things that you have forgotten. And then you need to write it down. And then you need to start saying it. Amen? Can you do that? Okay, would you bow your heads? I, I need one more prayer here. Father, is there anyone in the house today you came to church and you aren't quite right with Jesus and you want to make it right today He's, your relationship with him has maybe wandered or, or something happened but today you want to make it right because you know walking with Jesus is the most important thing if that's you in like on a count of three just lift your hand one two three just lift your hand right now just lift it up real high so I can see one two three four five six seven eight 9, 10, 11. I see at least 12 hands. 12 hands. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Now, say this prayer with me, church, everyone. Father, I give you my heart. I want to live in an atmosphere of miracles. Therefore, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you're the miracle maker and that you're the Lord and Savior of my life. Make me a brand new person. Cleanse me by the blood of the Lamb and let the testimonies of Jesus 
just emanate out of my life. I give you everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Now give the Lord a hand, hand. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.